Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to Off The Beaten Track Podcast. I'm your host, I'm Stu Whiffin. It's another week, therefore it's another episode. Today's episode, well, today's episode was the first the first episode that I actually sat in a room, social distance of course, uh, with someone and recorded in my, my studio again, uh, which was wonderful. It wasn't over Zoom. Don't get me wrong, I've recorded so many episodes over Zoom and it's been lovely and Yes, it was awkward at first, and and I think like everybody else on the planet, we've just adjusted, and and Zoom's a, an integral part of our connection now. And uh, it didn't take away from the fact that this this was something that I was so pleased to do again, just sit in a room, and and uh, you, you you get something when you sit in a room with someone. Obviously, you know it's and and hopefully you're going to you're going to pick up on that on this episode and uh and what a way to to kick off my uh my studio recordings again uh, Justin Young from the vaccines and what a what a top fella he is and uh and what a lovely listen you're uh, I've got in store for you uh before we get on with it just quickly like to thank Scroobius Pip and everybody at the Distraction Pieces network um and a big thanks to my producer seventy six and also if this is your first time listening to off the beat and track podcast then um once you finish listening to this, please go and have a look in the archives because you'll have access to about hundred and seventy episodes with some uh, amazing musicians producers d j s actors you, you you can see my interviews with the likes of Oh, blimey, let's rattle a few off. Um, James Lavelle, Frank Turner, Ricky Wilson, uh, Maxine Peake, Amanda Abington, Deftones. Um, oh, God, the list goes on. There's, there's, there's bundles going. James Acaster, if you like your comedians. Uh, Jade Adams. So go and, have a, go and have a rummage. That's the best thing you can do. Have a little look in the, the archives, and I guarantee there'll be something in there that tickles your fancy. Um and if that's not enough, I also have a Patreon page where each week I put up, you know, two or three, sometimes four episodes uh, just on Patreon. So uh, lots of radio shows, lots of video episodes. So head over there and uh, and you can support the podcast by doing that as well. Um, you can find out about all of these things at offthebeatandtrackpodcast.com. Back to business. Please enjoy today's episode with Justin Young. <laughs> It's off the beat and track podcast on the Distraction Pieces Network. With me, Stu Whipping. And we are recording, sitting uh, opposite me today, safely distanced. 
uh, my first podcast uh, back in a studio today, uh, and I've got Justin Young of the Vaccines. Hello. How you doing? I'm I'm good. We've we've had the we've had the COVID chat. We've had the, has the inevitable it COVID us? chat. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. And yeah, hopefully things are. Uh, At least no one talks about the weather anymore. No. Yeah. It's quite bleak today. (laughs) There you go. Yeah, it is. Let's get straight on with um, talking records, Justin. What's the song with the greatest ever intro? I chose uh, Beastie Boys' Sabotage. Yeah. As I just said, you're on my feet slightly. But I can't, you know, I can't think of many better. I can't think of many that kind of... um, gets the adrenaline pumping quite like that one mm. you know anytime it like comes on at a party or in a club or in a car wherever you may be um yeah it, it, all your senses are instantly turned up to 11 i i think for me like i mean w- w- when that dropped when that first come out i mean the, the video was obviously just different level uh spike jones it's a spike jones yeah. video isn't it yeah 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 so cool yeah, man yeah, it's great um all of us then, like, all of my pals were like kind of fake moustaches rolling over car bonnets trying to kind of replicate you know, <laughs> the, the coolest band on the yeah, planet yeah. without a shadow of a doubt. Um, but have you seen the Letterman performance? Yes. So I've se- I have seen the Letterman performance, yeah. Um, it's, ama- it's amazing, yeah. It's just... So exciting. Oh, it's, it, yeah, I mean, I, I'm a ridiculous beastie. Are you a huge Beastie Boys? Yeah, I love Beastie Boys. And actually, you know, like weirdly one of my i like grew up loving like punk rock and one of my kind of uh, like sort of like well i guess the gateway for me actually was their like early like hardcore stuff because i'd read about how they were a hardcore band and i was like oh that's interesting and so i like kind of um you know like discovered like egg raid on mojo and all yeah. that sort of stuff um and uh and 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 like sabotage was like a really like um is a really important song for me because i think when you're a kid like particularly when we were at school like music was very tribal and music had to you know music had to look a certain way and sound a certain way and be identified a certain way by you know society i guess and anything that kind of like was slightly outside of what was punk or what was rock or what was dance or what was pop or whatever kind of always i don't know it was always much harder for me to define and i remember Another good example is like Prodigy. When I saw like the Prodigy on TV, I was like, "Oh, this looks really exciting. It sounds really exciting." I was like, "But it's not actually punk." And then I realized as I got older, I was like, "Yeah, it is." Yeah. And like so, so is Beastie Boys to me, yeah. and like you know, so is like so much. I guess like in some ways, Daft Punk is punk to me. It's like it's actually just this really exciting, like dangerous, aggressive, yeah. like. Um, music that that can really take on any form it wants and like it's what's interesting about sabotage is 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 it is hip-hop but it's also punk and like i i guess it's what, what am i trying to say here it took me a while to realize that is what i think i'm trying to say i, I think if you look at like if you look at like check your head is probably the, the a, a really good example of, of the beasties where you've got pretty much straight up jazz yeah yeah hip-hop yeah hardcore yeah like and it's and they just look so fucking cool all the time yeah. as well <laughs> yeah. like, it's just yeah uh, i think as a band uh, uh, as a 47 year old guy i was really lucky to be like sort of 13 when um uh license will come out which was the most punk thing ever as a 13-year-old yeah. kid, to, to see that and to be going yanking VW signs off of cars and wearing them. And it was just so exciting. I mean, I guess hip-hop is punk as well. That's, you know, Completely. like that, that hip-hop, hip-hop 
completely as punk. It's like it follows in that lineage, doesn't it? Um, Absolutely. Of these kind of like these like disenfranchised, angry young people who like finally have like this voice, this exciting, important like cultural voice. Um, And yeah, I just I guess when you're a kid, you don't really realize that. But um, well, I didn't at least. Because it, because music was, I think music now isn't as tribal. I think like when you, um, when you, you know, like when you grow up now, I think you can listen to you can listen to anything and everything. It doesn't necessarily like define you. But yeah. when I was at school, there was still like punk kids and like you know like like hip hop kids and and like kids that like pop and kids that like dance music and kids that like emo and it was all this kind of there were these like this kind of classic like american high school style tribalism but that I, I just don't think it kind of exists anymore i, I had this conversation quite a lot on this podcast about tribalism yeah and do you think it's good or bad that it doesn't exist anymore because I, I, I think aside from I, Metal. Metal yeah. are there forever. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, they're, yeah. They're always there, and they wear their colours on their sleeve. It's like, oh, there's a metaler. But you don't go, oh, there's an indie kid. There's a, like, it does No, I think be. it's really important. I think it's amazing it doesn't exist anymore. I think, that, I think for music, I think it's really... Um, uh, great because i think music needs that to like move on you know like rock is such take rock for example it's such a kind of like rigid like borderline like old-fashioned genre that like sticks very much a bit like metal but quite not quite as extreme um it sticks very much within its kind of like s- sort of self-erected like framework yeah. um and so i think you need this like melting pot to help these kind of genres and sh- sub-genres and stuff mix and match and move on and progress i think the only the only argument counter argument maybe is that like when you're a kid there is something amazing about like starting school and being like oh that guy with that haircut or that girl with that haircut we're gonna be friends and yeah. then it does give you this like sense of identity yeah. and the sense of belonging which i think as a teenager you're always looking for but I can't really comment on that because I'm not a teenager anymore. So I'm sure there are plenty of other ways. But I, I think musically and creatively, I think it's a, an amazing thing that tribalism yeah. doesn't exist. I think that's what you need to, to kind of, for, for kind of evolution and progression, isn't it? Well, well, I think a lot of that probably does come down to the way that lots of people listen to music now. The exactly. That, Absolutely. You know, yeah. Streaming, yeah. In, streaming is such a big thing now and, and uh, you know, it just gives you access to so, so much stuff. So that kind of ties into a question which I've been trying to ask the right way for about two years, and I, I can never quite get it right. Um, and I just want to know, as a you know, as a musician, how you approach intro, right? Um, and over the the duration of the vaccines, as it changed, as maybe people's listening habits have have changed to a degree, and yeah, I just just, just, I'm just well, curious has has it evolved, and and, and are you aware of how people? Funny enough, I was watching this um, this, docu- this BBC documentary last night called like Flatpak Pop about the um, you know like uh, the evolution of kind of Swedish pop writing and stuff. And I think it was either like uh, Dennis Pop or Max Martin, one of the two, said you should be able to recognise a song within the first two seconds. And I think that's very like reflective, obviously, of the way like the skipping culture and the way that people consume music and the way people are almost being like forced to create music in a more sort of like pop orientated environment. Um, that really like so I, I know there's like you know people p- like front loading songs with choruses now yeah. because of Spotify and because of Apple Music and the streaming platforms but that is also how um, 
people used to write songs in the 50s and 60s yep. with you know like the birth of like modern pop and rock radio as we know it yeah. and the, and they were always like very they were always very short to kind of reflect Hand the teenage yeah the teenagers yeah. kind of like uh, listening habits and stuff and actually vaccines and maybe quite an extreme example because we we were always like drawn to that stuff when we were writing our first like record um and we've always been about this kind of like gimme culture. Like we always have two or three songs in every record that are sub two minutes. And we're always about like cutting the fat and, and you yeah. know, like we don't have any like kind of eight minute opuses or anything. So actually like we're, I always think about, I always think about the intro. I always, I, I want every vaccines are quite, like I say, quite an extreme example. Cause I, I like the idea of every second of every song being, uh, catchy <laughs> yeah yeah or recognizable or something i don't know um so yeah definitely i don't know i don't know if it's necessarily evolved but it's always been a consideration of mine the intro yeah okay track two the first song you remember hearing that had an emotional impact on you uh that was elvis blue suede shoes i um i was like i loved me i loved music for as long as I can remember, because my dad was like very into music and would like play drums and guitar and had all these kind of instruments and these walls of records and stuff. And, you know, like, and, and so like music was kind of like, uh, um, flowing in and out of our, our sort of mine and my brother's like stream of consciousness from as early as we had one. But like, um, I remember hearing my friend's dad play Elvis and I just thought Blue Suede Shoes was just like the coolest thing I'd ever heard. And then once I was like confronted with what he looked like and how he danced and and all the kind of like cultural revolution around it, it just like it really like permeated and really, uh, And then I spent like you know two years, which is an eternity when you're like four, um, like you know doing Elvis impressions and trying to do my hair like him and 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 kind of buying like bargain bin sort of like live performances and VHSs and stuff. And like he was like very much like my first musical love like i was like just in awe of him and, and it's like I've, I've used this term before but he was like the first kind of rock star or pop star that i'd seen where i was like wow you look like you're you've been like beamed down from space as yeah. this kind of like perfectly formed um superhero uh so yeah that like really re that like re he like his music really resonated with me and it's funny because i don't really i don't really i quite like elvis now but i don't really like love that song for example um, but it, yeah, it, like it definitely sort of, uh, definitely changed my life. I think. And what would the emotion have been? I think just, um, I think, uh, that's a good question. I hadn't thought about that. Probably just, uh, excitement. You know, it's like when you're a kid and you hear music, it just makes you want to dance, doesn't it? Yeah. It's like kind of, or it's, and, and you're probably, you know, in awe of this person, maybe sort of look up to them a bit of course um but yeah i guess excitement i remember i remember going to see the um buddy holly musical when i was like seven with the same guy whose dad had like to, like shown us elvis and i remember like st i was like i i would never do this as a kid because i was so shy but i remember like standing up and being like you're not as I, sh I was like you're not as good as elvis <laughs> like i like yeah 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 um <laughs> Which is like, which actually is like, yeah, like very counter to my, um, like personality. It certainly was then, but like, um, I was just like obsessed with Elvis. Just yeah. it was like the coolest human to ever walk the, the planet. But when you said like, you know, he was sort of beamed down from space, and you know, you, I imagine you're talking about, you know, Elvis sort of fifty six onwards, right? Yeah. Like, but even if you look at 
I guess fat Elvis, whatever you want to call him. No, that's for me. That's like all part of the like the romance. Like, he yeah. still looked yeah. like he was sent from outer space. Yeah, absolutely. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. No one was wearing yeah, yeah. that shit. On yeah, stage. exactly. Just yeah, yeah. Him and he bossed it. No, no. I, I, I like in a weird way. It's like easy for us to say because we're like so far removed from it, and there's a human story there, of course. But like you know, like part part of his kind of like tragic hedonistic downfall is like is is one of the you know one of the reasons he's like written so indelibly into kind of pop folklore yeah um and yeah there's something like yeah there's something i mean every photo i've ever seen of elvis he looks amazing um even when he looks amazingly bad (laughs) he the, the most amazingly bad picture of elvis is driving a golf cart through graceland uh, in his karate outfit, and I've seen. I think I've seen that. I think incredible. I've seen that. Yeah, yeah. It's just incredible. Yeah. No one looked like that. Just yeah. Elvis. Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> he owned his look. Okay, track three. The song reminds you of your time at school. Smells like Teen Spirit, Nirvana. That was like another really like pivotal moment in my life. Like I liked. I'd like to. I'd liked Elvis from kind of you know like five to eight. Then I loved oasis from like eight to 11 and then my english teacher was like oh if you like music she was kind of like a young kiwi girl she's probably only like 25 and we but i was like 11 and um she was like if you love music you should listen to this band nirvana you'll probably know smells like teen spirit and she gave me a, a um she gave me the cassette of Nevermind, and she said you can have this and um i did recognize Smells like Teen Spirit, but I didn't really, you know, it's just something yeah. that I'd heard on, like, in the background. Stuff. And again, yeah, that, again, that was just, like, such a pivotal moment in my life. I just played that record to death. And then I'm, by nature, quite obsessive. So then I, you know, like, got, like, every, you know, printed off every photo I could find of, of um, them on online. I bought, like, every single, every record, every poster, every book, like, everything. Just, like, like got the same guitar as him. Like just like, grew my hair, you know. There's always like a reason why a kid starts growing their hair. It was, of course, like Kurt Cobain, and just I was absolutely obsessed. And they were like a real like gateway drug into so much, you know, like rock and roll, and then punk, and then because you know I, I would listen to a band if I heard him talking about them in yeah. an interview, or if he if he was like wearing a t-shirt, or whatever. Um, but that like i just and then you know we'd like pass around you know everyone that kind of got their hands on that cassette that we'd been given or that i'd been given by our teacher spent the next like three four years like skateboarding with like hair below their shoulders and and wearing like ripped jeans and converse and 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 so it was just like it was like a really like defining moment in my life and i you know i wonder how long it would have if i ever would have found them without that kind of teacher giving me uh and and it's still it's still such a great you know, it's still such a great record and such a great song. Obviously, it is like one of the best kind of rock and roll songs of all time, or pop songs of all time, really. That's but yeah, one of the greatest intros of all time. As yeah, well. there you go. Yeah, I mean, actually, that could have been a, that could have been the intro song yeah. too. Yeah, I think Butch Vig describes it as um, being inside a house that's collapsing on top of you when it kicks in, and I just think, yeah, that's exactly. Yeah, that's great. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that. And I, and I think never mind possibly the greatest pop record ever made i think it's definitely uh, definitely up there in the 90s and like yeah i think that like um i think it would be hard to dispute that it's such a it's such like a kind of perfect record and 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 i think what's really important with pop um is the like 
is the is the kind of cultural movement that you know like if if an artist or a record comes and it sort of changes the world then i think it's always got a case and obviously like nirvana changed the world like an entire generation of of uh of teenagers were, were kind of changed forever because of what they saw and heard you know it's quite strange as as being like an indie dj i've i've played nirvana mm. for the last 25 30 years to death in the clubs but my niece come round the other day who's like 13 wearing a nirvana t-shirt and i was like oh my god you like nirvana she's like i don't know they are oh really and, like, yeah. and i was like right okay I said, that's no. like the ramones t-shirt it is exactly isn't it yeah yeah, yeah. And I was or like, guns and roses or something and i was like it's fine we're gonna get you into some nirvana so I went on YouTube, and uh, and and my point is that I kind of started to take Nirvana for granted because I just heard it a billion times. Yeah, yeah. And it's just it comes on, and I don't really absorb it. I'm like, it's Nirvana. You know? Yeah, the ubiquity is sort of like slightly yes. kind of yeah. But I put on Live and Loud. Fucking hell, it's off the scale, isn't it? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Ev drain you. Yeah. On that played like. It's just... Did your niece like it? She just... Sonically, it's yeah. probably like nothing she'd ever heard yeah, before. Yeah, right, yeah. And was just sitting there and... But melodically, there's like something to grab hold of, isn't it? I mean, it? they weren't short of a hook or a chorus, yeah. were they? Yeah, yeah, like, exactly. And she, yeah, she just sat there just kind of, sort of wide-eyed at it. And, and I was sort of trying to... Like, my wife was also sort of going, he's really beautiful, isn't he? And, you know, they, they live in a Justin Bieber world. Of course, that's like, probably who she saw wearing the T-shirts. Oh, more than likely, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. But, um, but my, my point was, I just, I then went back and just totally revisited Nirvana. Yeah. And just a complete new love for it. And, and just that Live and Loud album, I was like, it's just, it's called Live and Loud, isn't it? It's the, the MTV performance, isn't it? With, and Smears do it playing as well. Oh, it's just absolutely incredible. Hello. I've interrupted the podcast again, haven't I? Sorry, it won't take a sec. All I want to say is, the songs that we're talking about in this podcast, if we can't play them, it's just because of the regulations regarding playing licensed music and such. So if you want to hear the songs, just go over to Spotify and search Off The Beat and Track Podcast and you can listen to all the songs because I've put playlists up for each of these. If you can't find it on there, I'll send links on all the social media accompanying each episode. So you've just got to press that one button and you can go through and you can enjoy all the songs that our guest picks. Anyway, I'll shut up, get back to the podcast. See you on the other side. Um, we talk about school, like, and you, I mean, you just mentioned there that you had a teacher that gave you, you yeah. know, turned you on to music. That's, that's pretty impressive. Like, yeah. how, how did you find school? I hated school. And I really, like, you know, there was, I, I just, like, yeah, I hated school. I found it very, again, I don't know what it's like going to school now, but I always felt, like, particularly at the school I was at, that to be artistic was to be rebellious, to, like, ask questions was to be uh, a nuisance. Like, it didn't, people, like, people, like, didn't really celebrate anything other than conformity. It was, like, very much, like, here are some hoops we're going to like draw for you jump through them and then everything will be okay. And I found it like a very like reductive way of, um, of kind of nurturing like young spirit. Uh, so I hated school. I mean, I had friends and like, I, 
enjoyed playing like football and enjoyed you know certain subjects I enjoyed like I enjoyed it enough that I like went to university and like studied history and stuff so it wasn't like get me out of here like I enjoyed education but I just didn't like I didn't like uh, the approach to education like I said kind of what I saw as quite like a reductive approach and it just like I was I wasn't like troubled but I was like a bit of a troublemaker because of that I think like I kind of like became a bit of like a class clown because I didn't find the whole thing very fulfilling and I just always, always had like a sense from a very young age that I, that school was counter to like freedom, <laughs> and I always wanted to just like, as long you know, the first time I saw like an American movie, I was like, I want to be on the street skateboarding and drinking like two liters of coke, and like you know, like that was just like, I don't know, I kind of wanted to be anywhere but there really. Um, so no, I didn't really like school at all. You, you said you become a class clan. So, did, did you like attention? Yeah, it's weird though because, it, yeah, I, I've always, I did like attention. Well, yeah, I did like attention from people I felt comfortable with, but I didn't like. I, I've ne- and I've always been a bit like. I quite like attention from my friends, but I don't like attention from a from a table of strangers. Maybe that's like pretty normal stuff. But like, yeah, I. You're confident. Yeah, but I wasn't at the same time because actually, like, t- attention also like makes my toes curl. Like, if someone comes up to me in the street and says, "Hey, I really like your band," that makes me feel really good, but it also makes me feel like so embarrassed and like really? awkward and like, yeah, like I, I feel like really like, oh, you know, I, 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 I maybe I think a lot, you know, taking a compliment is quite a hard thing to do, anyway, yeah. isn't it? I think most people find it quite difficult. So maybe that's like the difference between maybe that's you is know, that eased over time. No, it still makes me feel. It still makes me feel awkward. Not to say that people shouldn't do it. Like it's obviously like a really nice thing. Yeah. But it like, uh, um, it, I just feel really. I just. I just don't know how to take a compliment. Um, and yeah, I don't like. It's weird because actually, like I said, I, I don't. I, I don't think in adult life I do particularly like drawing attention to myself. I, um, other, you know, other than when I have to. Yeah. You're driven. Yeah, I think I'm. Re- I think I'm really. I think I am really driven, actually. Yeah, I, and, and I sometimes think the older you get, the more driven you get. But I don't know if that's true. I think when you're like in your early twenties, you can just kind of float from one day to the next, or I could at least. Whereas like now, I'm like, I guess I, I think I need to try and make the most of every day. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. First thing you remember buying from a record store. Well, I remember the first thing I remember. I can't remember if this is what I told you. Um, Oh yeah, so yeah, okay. I think okay. It, it was Oasis. Well, it was Oasis cigarettes and alcohol, and I got that from. Uh, I grew up in the New Forest, and there was like a Waitrose, which was like the local supermarket, and like next to it was like a kind of like pedestrianised street with like a toy shop, or well, it was like a joke shop, a sweet shop, and a really small record shop. And like my when our when our mum would go into waitress, she'd give us like two quid, and then and then my brother would spend it in the joke shop, and then I'd spend it in the record shop, and I and you know I just literally because Oasis were like kind of the only band I'd heard of when I was like nine or ten, I'd just like go in and try and get any Oasis stuff. So it was cigarettes and alcohol. I still remember buying the CD, and this is like this is not even like a good memory necessarily, but you know like CD singles are like thin, so I like always remember that. Um, but actually. I so the, I remember going in once and they didn't have Oasis. They had no Oasis, so I did buy no Oasis a couple of times. But I can't remember if I bought Oasis or no Oasis first. But I definitely remember buying the single of Oasis cigarettes and alcohol, and that kind of being like a yeah, 
Someone signed an Oasis, didn't they? Must have done, because like, they were like distributed potentially even better than Oasis. <laughs> but was it like, I'd like to teach the world to sing or something like that? It was a cover, wasn't it? It was something very Oasis-sounding that they'd sort of, I think Noel had been accused of sort of bastardising. I'm not sure. I can't remember. Because I, I, like I was too young to know anything other than the fact they existed. Yeah. Um, you, you mentioned, you know, while we talk about records... Uh, you said there was a wall of records at home, and then you, you then referenced like your, your mates dad playing Elvis and stuff. Like, what was you exposed to at home? What records were, were on at home? I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. I mean, my dad just loved dad rock, really. Like, I mean, he still loves music now, but it was like a very, like, you know, when you're a kid and you're like, my dad likes Eric Clapton. And then someone's like, so does my dad. And you're like, no way. That's so weird. <laughs> and then you're like, oh, it's just dad rock. It's just like, yeah. yeah. Um, so like my dad just, you know, my dad, my dad did spend a lot of time listening to, to, to music. Um, he loved Eric Clapton. He loved Chuck Berry, which I loved. So we always had like Chuck Berry in the car. My mum loved R.E.M. They were her favorite band and Automatic for the People was like one of the big records when we were growing up. Um, I love R.E.M. And that was, and that was like, you know, I've got great memories of listening to that kind of record from start to finish monster as well we had that in the car um and like uh yeah actually you know eric clapton chuck berry and rem are kind of my they're oh and sting they're another kind of dad rock thing yeah. you know but um and the police i guess as well i just remember we had this you know this car and then you know in the in between the passenger seat and the uh the driver's seat there used to be a kind of thing where you could yeah. put like six tapes, tapes yeah. or whatever I just remember those were the kind of... I always remember them being in there. I think it was a Mike and the Mechanics uh, uh, tape right, in there, look, too. Yeah. Look, there's no way you're putting R.E.M. in the same category as that. Well, that, but I, actually, my, so my, my mum's was R.E.M. and all the other stuff was my dad's. Right, so, okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, 
Oh, you, you mentioned obviously there was music um, like guitars and, and drums and stuff, um, and you was you, you mentioned uh, when you was listening to Nirvana, you know, you, you'd also buy you wanted guitar like Kurt, etc. Yeah. Like when you was hearing Oasis and Nirvana and stuff. Was you deconstructing Adam's songs were put together? No, not at all. I was like, you know, I was like getting up, you know, I was like getting up in front, you know, front of the curtains in the living room and like miming and like p- pretending to. But I wasn't, you know, I wasn't like, I w- that's the thing is like when I was a kid, I wasn't very studious. And actually, paradoxically, even though my parents were very encouraging of us listening to music and liking music and stuff, they would never pay for us to have music lessons. So I never really got good on an instrument and I wasn't like disciplined enough. I remember I'd list, you know, I'd, I'd take my guitar up to my room and I wouldn't plug it in. I'd just like dance around, I'd like dance around the room, like actually not learning to play anything. Yeah. There are a few things I learned to play, yeah. but you know, I'd, I'd practice the guitar 20 minutes a night rather than like four hours yeah. a night, you know. How long would you um, spend practicing? How good you looked with it? Oh, like at least two and a half hours. You know? so for, I mean, there wasn't even a mirror in my room, but I just loved the way yeah. it made me feel, you know. So I never really, you know, I never really got, uh, I never really got good at anything uh, other than sort of dancing around like an idiot. And I've made thus far done all right doing that. It's worked out all right, really. So far, yeah. A song that soundtrack your years in Clubland. Oh, a song that's... I'm going to have to... What, what did I... Uh, oh, yeah. Okay, so I I told you, Stand on the Word, Gerbert Singers, the Larry Levan mix. Um, this is obviously an old kind of... I think it's, an, I think it's a legit gospel song that got um, remixed by Larry Levan, who I think was like a Chicago... He's either New York or Chicago kind of like, like house legend. Um, my knowledge of that era and that area is a little patchy but it's just like i got i kind of got into like clubbing like a little later like i still like going out and partying stuff at my early 20s or sort of pre like vaccines late, late teens early really early 20s i wasn't like really into like going out um would you go indie clubs and things like yeah that? i would but i was more sort of like <sighs> i was more just like, i just like going to pubs and like like house parties and stuff but i never really got into uh, never really got into like pulling all nighters until I was like twenty four, twenty five, yeah. and um, and this song just like it started like coming on at places. Obviously, really old song, and I just I just have these like really like evocative, formative memories of like hearing it. These like amazing. It might even be like house parties, um, and just like every time I hear it now, it's so like transportative and it's just like so powerful and like moving. Um, and hypnotic and everything, and I, I sort of, I, um, yeah, I, I, I still like, I'll still like listen to it like once a week or whatever. It kind of, it's, and whenever I'm DJing at a party, I'll always like play it. Do you like to DJ? I do. I like to. I mean, I like to DJ in the like classic sense of the word. I like to choose the songs. Yeah. This is essentially like what it started as, right? Yeah. Um, I'm not particularly um, proficient at kind of. Uh, mixing one song into the next and all that sort of thing. But it's all about the selection. Mark. I think it's ninety percent, ninety-five percent selection. I think anyone that tells you otherwise is sort of like you know, if you've got the time and energy to kind of make transitioning seamless and you know, I suppose it adds to the curation. But really, most people aren't listening to that. They're listening to the song completely. Yeah, I know. I'd rather listen to 
Elvis knockout blue suede shirt. Right, exactly. And actually, and actually, the, the other, you know, the, I think the other thing is, is that I, I've noticed that kind of club DJs will like, I don't know if it's because they're panicking or just because they like, like working it, but you'll, you'll only get like a verse and a chorus of a song, and sometimes I want to hear all of it. So I sound like an old man now. But um, uh, just probably just trying to prolong a conversation. I don't really have, uh, like a topic I don't really have that much to say about um, uh, at this time of the day. Yeah. <laughs> it's a, it's a, it's, it's, um, yeah, it's a, um, I still, I still love clubbing. I still love going out. I still kind what of, what do you want from it? Pleasure. I want, uh, from, what do I want from it? I want like memories, I suppose. I think that's like, I, I love, nothing more than kind of like i think that when you're in it for the long run you can always there's always like three or four of you maybe more who are like right we're in this till 10 a.m tomorrow yeah like it's all or nothing and then it's not necessarily even you know it's the dancing and it's the sweating and lots of stuff but then it's like even just like getting back home and kind of you know all collapsing together and just like it's like a very bonding i think it's like a very primitive kind of like bonding experience isn't it yeah yeah Favorite song from an artist from your home county? I think I went with Seven Days, Craig David. You did. Which is like, um, so I'm from Hampshire, and there are plenty of people from Hampshire who made it. In fact, from my sick form alone, there was like Block Party went to my sick form, Claxons went to my sick form, uh, like a bunch of people. I was with someone else the other day that went there. It's like, an, it's quite an impressive list, <laughs> but. Um, I think that um that's the ultimate indie six yeah yeah it's quite it? crazy it's quite crazy but um but Craig David went to the school next to mine, and when I was first went to that school, that was like one of the you know that was like one of the biggest songs in the world mm. and it was and we'd go past his school every day on our school bus in the middle of Southampton, and it was just mad to think that one of the biggest pop stars on the planet had kind of come from this like little like comprehensive school that we like drove past every single day um and you'd hear all these rumors about like what he was like at school and all sorts of stuff and whether they were true or not it's kind of irrelevant just the fact they existed and they'd kind of made it to us it was it was such a kind of i think to to have someone like that come out of southampton it was like a very uh aspirational exciting thing um and i didn't really even love the song at the time but it was just mad to me that I've now since you know grown to love it, but it's like it was just mad to me and anyone that I knew really that he'd come from Southampton. It was like an exciting thing, cool thing, and and, and sort of almost a, a sense of hope that if you are no exactly, I think that that's what can... I think. I think one of the biggest things, you know, particularly in creative industries, you know, like people really need to you know see and meet and hear of people with similar stories and experiences and journeys to them because then you, you realize it's like attainable and these people aren't beamed down from space like i was yeah. alluding to with elvis it's like actually these people are normal and they maybe they've worked hard maybe they've got lucky probably a combination of the two um and actually if you really want something it's not a guarantee you're going to get it but you should at least try and i think that um yeah i found craig david like a really hopeful story did you find it important, like, one of the reasons I initially set this podcast up was to, to find out that, that people that, that weren't from London, that the pressure on, I guess, creatives in general to relocate to London to make it happen? Well, I did feel that pressure. And, I, and, and it wasn't just a pressure, it was a desire. Okay. And I think that 
you might not want to hear this, but I, but I always used to say, and obviously it's like changed slightly now because I think things have moved online, but um, <laughs> in a way that they kind of hadn't when I first moved here. But I did used to think that if you came to London and you had like, like, an, just like an ounce of like talent or one decent, half decent song or whatever, talent's a weird word, but like whatever it may be, if you like got out and you started playing open mic nights and you started playing club nights and you met a couple of promoters, which is very easy to do, um, you would get heard by the right people. It wouldn't necessarily mean you were going to like make it or get a record deal or whatever, yeah. but you would get heard. Yeah. And I always used to think that was like an amazing thing. It was, it was actually quite meritocratic it's like if you if you if you made it to london you didn't even have to live in london but if you if you made it if you were playing like i don't know like two three gigs a week in london i was doing like four or five when i first moved here you'd get heard you'd be there'd be every you know like every artist that was going to go on to like headline glastonbury or every like a and r man that was going to go on to you know like be head of a and r or whatever all those kind of people were like standing at the bar in these venues and so you would get, you know, like managers, PR people, agents, like journalists, that they were all there. And actually, I think that's quite like an amazing thing. Do you think it still exists? I don't know. I don't. Th- I don't think it can in the same way because I know people that are that do do A and R and are managers and stuff, and they spend most of their time like looking through SoundCloud and stuff. So in a way, I suppose there is still a degree of meritocracy. But you know. It's undoubt it undoubtedly makes it easier if you move to London or if you if you come down or you, it did sorry, so I think like I was always like gotta get to London. I was like yeah. that's the only place that's the only place it's gonna happen for me. And you d- you know and and I think that's why it all makes it all the more kind of special and why people are that's the the trade off you get from you have to make by moving to London is you never have a hometown show you never have a hometown following. You know, it's like that's a are, really good point. Yeah, there are like these. You know, there are these bands who who will be able to like play like big shows in their hometown forever, yeah. and they'll be hometown heroes forever. They can't. You know, it's it's been harder for them to kind of maybe break through or something. Never thought of that. Yeah, yeah. London, you know, like London, that's your trade-off, really. Like you come to London, you don't get your hometown show. Yeah, yeah. Last track. You mentioned uh, you enjoy DJing, so this is your time to uh, to put a record on uh, and turn some people onto something they've probably not heard before. Yeah. So I think I think you were I think you might have worded it as um, the song that uh, people may not know you want them to hear. Yeah. I didn't. I I was like, oh well, okay. I think that just I think that just means like a song people might not have heard. Sorry, yeah. I maybe I even like read it wrong, but um, it's a song lost. Uh, uh, by Los Bichos called uh, Pista. I don't really know anything about them. <laughs> um, I think they're from London. I think they're like five girls from London who actually I don't think are from London at all. I think they're from all different places. I think, unless I'm getting my songs mixed up, Alex Capranos from Franz Ferdinand produced this song. Okay. He may have produced one of their other singles. But um, like <laughs> Vaccines have a new album coming out next year and we've kind of, it's kind of m- it's kind of Morricone indie rock, basically. Okay. As, is how I would describe it, I think, loosely. And so I was kind of on this, like, quest for um, stuff that, like, might slightly sort of, like, uh, veer into that territory. Um, and I heard the song, and I, I thought that's exactly what it was, kind of like Morricone indie rock. There's probably, like, a, there's probably like a cooler term for it, but uh, I really like it. It makes me smile. It makes me happy. 
like I said, I don't really know much about them. And I think actually sometimes that's the, the most fun. You, you know, when you, when you discover a new artist and you kind of lack any context, it somehow like makes, it somehow makes the experience easier or like, yeah, yeah, I don't yeah. know, like no one's said anything dumb in the press yet or no one's kind of insulted yeah. you or no, I don't know, whatever it may be. I, but like, so, so I quite like the lack of context. So I don't really know. So I can't really enlighten you much beyond that, but it's, a, it's, a, it's I really like this song. Sorry, I know I knew that was going to be. I didn't. I, that was a very bad example because I don't think I don't. Yeah, go on. What were you going to say? I, I just wondered yeah. how um, you know, as 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 the band, you know, gathered pace. It felt as an outsider quickly. Yeah, it was very uh, quick. Yeah. Um, yeah. How, how did you find it as as a, as a person? I found it. Yeah, I found it. Really, know, the, the, I, okay, struggling with people. Yeah, I think know. I think when. I think vaccines happened really quick and we'd, we'd all kind of been sort of struggling, you know, I'd say like playing five open mic nights a night for sort of three, four years. You know, I was like 23. I wasn't 16. Um, like Pete and Arnie were like 25. So I was still young, but like not, like say not 16, 17. So we've been at it for like quite a while. And um, it happened so quickly. Um, and so obviously people were kind of suspicious and jealous and, uh, uh, cynical, as they had all, all had a right to be, um, and um, and I think uh, it was this weird feeling because I was so excited and 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 so sort of like uh, yeah, like couldn't believe it was happening. Just, it was so so exciting. Then was also like so em- like em- embarrassed almost. Like I was kind of it's like it's a hard thing to it's like a hard thing to explain. I just. I felt like, yeah, em- like embarrassed somehow. Like I'd go into like a like a like a pub or like a bar or a club like that was like populated by hipsters, and I'd be like super embarrassed. Like I'd feel really kind of like I'd assume I'd assume that if they knew who we were, then they'd have an opinion, and that it may be negative or whatever. And that took me like a good like three or four years to get over. And now I have none of that. Like I'm so proud of what we've done. I'm so ha- I-, I feel so lucky. Um, I have like a lot of. Um, conviction in what we do i think we're like such a great band now and all that sort of stuff and um but yeah at the time it was like a bit of a head fuck i definitely it def it was it, i wish that i could have i was so worried about what other people thought about us that maybe like it's it kind of hindered my ability to like enjoy it to like the degree i should have been enjoying it and i remember there's like a great like example of that like after we played ali pali in 2012 like we had an after party at like a bar somewhere around here in Shoreditch and um but I don't think we'd got it exclusively I think we were just like all piling back there um and then I remember going to the loo just when I got there and um these two guys one of them was like oh that's the that's the singer from the vaccines and his friend went I know what a cunt and I just remember and I just played to like 10,000 people and I just like straight away like came like you know I, I like crashing back down to earth and that like ruined my night, but like now it wouldn't. Yeah, because I'm older and I have, like I say, I've got like more sort of like faith in what we do, and and um, I really really believe now that whilst it's not for everyone, I think we're a great band, and so like, but it took me a while to get there. Yeah, you mentioned there's a new album next year. Yeah, and uh, gigs. Yeah, well, I mean, we hope so. I mean, it's uh, we we recorded the album at the end of last year. So this is a weird, we're in a weird situation because we recorded the album at the end of last year in Texas, but we were never going to release it this year. The plan was always like, let's take a year off playing, let's take a year off releasing music, 
um let's just get everything like all our ducks in a row let's like make sure the visuals are great we'll make some great videos we like won't be like rushed off our feet we'll, we'll just get everything right we'll get it like feeling really good and it won't feel rushed like it, maybe it has in the past so 2020 is a write-off let's just like get ready to release some music uh, some music in 2021 so plan a has always been uh to release music in 2021 and that's what we're planning on doing i i think for us like we're not really in a hurry it's finished basically it's ready to go but we're not really in like a hurry to release it because i think that live the live experience for a band like the vaccines is such like an integral part of it that we're just kind of we're just gonna play it by i mean we are we're booking in shows now but i think for the later part or the latter part of next year so that shows will happen provided they can and, and new music is happening and the other thing you know like it, we've been talking about it in relation to our, to our music, but it's, you know, really relevant to everyone and everything and what we've all just, I mean, really like some, it's a good place to end it, I think, because your, every question you've asked is about like experience and memory and everything like that. And that's essentially how you enjoy and listen to and consume music. And I think that there's been a couple of notable exceptions, but for the most part, all the music that's been released during the pandemic, even music I've loved, I felt like my focus has kind of like, like it's kind of come and gone very quickly because there hasn't been this opportunity to like form memories around yeah. the music. You know, like music is all about forming memories. And so I think we want to release a record into a world where people are able to form memories in cars, in bars, in clubs, on holiday, at weddings, like whatever it may be. It's like we want people to not just be like listening to it on a morning run, you know? Yeah. That's a perfect yeah. way to finish yeah. the podcast. <laughs> Justin, thanks so much thanks for your for time. Me, man. Yeah. Really enjoyed yeah, it. Likewise. Thank you. Cool. There you go. Wonderful chat. How nice is Justin? Had a really, really good natter, and it was so nice just to press record on, on the recorder that I haven't been using since lockdown. I've got I don't know why I'm telling you this, it's not that actually that interesting. But uh, it's just my little portable recorder that I threw in my rucksack, jumped on the train. Uh, and went up to London and, and got to sit in a room again. And, uh, and yeah, look someone directly in the eyes this time, not, not, uh, not over a screen. And, uh, and I should stress, I'm not taking anything away from the, the interviews that I've done over lockdown, uh, you know, over Zoom. It's given me access, you know, recording remotely to so many people that I probably never in a million years would have got to come and uh, head into London and, and, and sit in my studio. Um, so, yeah. Uh, thanks ever so much for listening thanks again to Justin uh, for doing that and yeah thanks to Red Light Management for for putting that together and uh, yeah I'm back next week Uh, stay safe be excellent bye bye I've got an announcement save our souls clothing www.sosclothing.co.uk why am I telling you this because they're our official sponsor yeah that's right Go and check them out because their clothing is off the scale. You're going to love it. So they've decided they want to be our sponsor, which is amazing. And what I have to do is I have to tell you about why they're amazing. So here's a little bit of blurb. So they've only been going a year. And they're based in South End on Sea, just up the road from me. They put the company together based on a, a love of tattoos and alternative music. And they've worked with some of the greatest artists around the world to produce these items of clothing that are as unique as you lot. All of the designs are printed using biodegradable, sustainable and water-based inks. And in addition to that, 
They only print on garments made by members of Fairwear Foundation. I mean, come on, great clothing and a conscience. Since going live in April last year, they've seen their audience grow massively and are now selling orders all across the world. And they were recognised by Cosmopolitan magazine as one of the best sustainable clothing brands alongside names such as Stella McCartney. I mean, that's quite a first year, right? So, go and check them out, because they've put a lot of love into supporting this podcast, and I couldn't be happier. What else they've done, is they've given you 15% off. So, if you head over to www.sosclothing.co.uk, do a bit of shopping, see what you like, throw it in the basket, and then on the way out, put in the discount code, Beat15, B-E-A-T-1-5, and that'll save you 15% off. Amazing, right? www.sosclothing.co.uk, official sponsors of Off The Beat and Track Podcast. It's Off The Beat and Track Podcast on the Distraction Pieces Network. With me, Stu Whipping. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.